It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the NFL playoffs. They're officially upon us. Uh, welcome to the You Like That Feels Great Baby podcast. Uh, we've been waiting 18 long weeks for this. The playoffs are here. The brackets are set. The Niners have a first round bye. Everybody's feeling good. Not me. The Vikings missed the playoffs. But let's dive right into it. Let's go uh, look at Week 18's results, and then we'll dive into the wild card preview. Joey, just going to ask you right off the bat, Niners have a bye. You're a little bit worried about them being rusty after what will end up being three weeks off. But basically, as you look at the results in Week 18 and what's going on uh, in the first round of the playoffs, what are you thinking as a Niners fan? Do you have any rooting interest in the AFC games? Are you only focusing on the NFC games? Or are you just like, just tell me who we're playing? Yeah, probably just tell me who we're playing because... Like, other than the natural just fan anxiety of, like, okay, now we're here. Better freaking win two games in a row to get to the Super Bowl. Like, what? Like, come on. But it's like, no, I just I just root for, like, general interest. You know, like, maybe there's some certain teams I like or don't like. and Because the reality is, is if this team can't get to the Super Bowl beating these two teams at home, then what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, it's – I've never felt this way – about a team, really, especially like the Niners. Um, I mean, they they should. I mean, two home games in the Super Bowl. It's right there, unless barring some drastic injury like last year, um, they should get there. Now, depending on who they play, do, do they win? I don't know because they're not as like. I'm not pounding the table as hard as I was like maybe a month ago. Like this is the best right. freaking team in the league. Like the Ravens, pretty damn good. Uh, they came here and. Molly whopped us, and Cleveland's no joke. I think those, like I've said, two best teams in the AFC, in my opinion. Um, but as for the NFC, I'm weirdly way more like uh, eerie about like the bottom half of the conference than the top. Like I think I am not like I might eat my words. Like so, this might be a freezing cold take, but like I am not worried about Dallas or Detroit coming here. Like this is at all. So. I texted the other Niners fan friends in my life, and Johan from the pod last year, our, our longtime listener, he th- echoed the same thing that you just said, where he's like, there is no worry about Detroit and Dallas. It's really the Rams that worry him the most, and that's the yes. same, you know, exact same thing you said. My uncle's a huge Niner fan. He kind of feels the same way, where the Rams are who they're most concerned about. I'm like, this is really odd. Like, I can't remember a situation where there's six and seven seats that people are like, oh, nobody yeah, wants to Yeah, even the them. Packers. Like, they're young right. and, like, hungry enough to just do something dumb, like win a couple games in the playoffs. And, like, but the Rams specifically remind me a lot of the Niners who had to beat the Rams a couple years ago in 21 to make the playoffs and eventually lost to them in the NFC title game. Um, like, they're coming in the sixth seed. They're going to play in Detroit. I don't really, like, know too much about, like, the line. It looks like here it's, what, minus three and a half for Detroit. That shocks me. Um I I think a lot of people are going to pick the Rams to go in there and win, especially with all the injuries Detroit you know suffered Sunday. Mm-hmm. Just like the Niners did that year, they like they went into Dallas as the sixth seed, and and I think a lot of people were picking like Dallas ain't going to beat them, mm-hmm. and and then the and then the Niners went to Green Bay that year. Rodgers they were like what are they fourteen and three or something something, yeah. and they were the ones and they won that game. And like ironically, I was like pretty confident that game. Like I didn't want to like be wrong, but like I'm like. They just don't match up very well against us. 
And this this year, like, I'm afraid the Rams are going to go to Detroit, a dome team, and kind of push them around, run the football on them. Stafford has still got an elite arm. And then they're going to come here and be like, okay, like Sean McVay's elite NFL head coach. And, and I mean, when they're healthy, I mean, they're damn good. And I just cannot believe that the three teams I'm worried about, you would have told me before the season I'd be worried about the Rams, Bucks, and Packers, like Jordan Love, possibly Kyle Trask, and then a team that I, I legitimately thought the Rams would be like picking in the top three. Yeah. And then like, That's- oh, Philly, oh, we would demolish them. They're an absolute dumpster fire. And then Dallas and Detroit, like, I just weirdly I'm not worried as much. So- so with the way the schedule breaks down, the first three games, the AFC games, the second three games, the NFC games, you'll know your opponent possibly at, you know, 10 a.m. Well, I like how Sunday. it breaks down that way. Like, the first NFC game is Packers-Cowboys. Mm-hmm. So, like, if the Packers win, we play them. Yeah. So like, and, and then it goes to the next one. Like, if the Rams win, we play them. Mm-hmm. And then if those are, like, we'll, we'll know we play the winner of the, you know, uh, Eagles Bucks and then we would know that game would be on Sunday because there's no chance in hell they make them play Monday and then Saturday right and I think I I was just about to say if either the Packers or Rams win I think your game is going to be the early Saturday yeah. game without a doubt so you another thing is you might get more time to prepare if say Green Bay wins than you would if you know Green Bay and the Rams both lose and then Philly wins on on Monday night so um, pretty, I mean, fortuitous draw in that the teams that are two, three, and four seeds are Dallas, who you absolutely spanked, Detroit, whose defense is an absolute sieve right now, and Tampa, who's injured and has been awful the last two weeks. Philly's on a slide. Really fortuitous draw for the Niners in that the teams I don't they're know. afraid of are the six and seven, which are, I mean. I don't think that's as, like, so I don't want to get Green too ahead of myself, but I, like I don't like I I think we're dead set on seeing the Rams here again. So Green Bay is a seven point dog. The Rams are a three and a half point dog. Vegas is usually close on these things. So as much as we say, oh, it's the Rams that you you know the Niners should be afraid of, or oh, the Packers look pretty frisky. Those teams are, you know, the nine and eight and ten and seven. And frankly, it's more of like I don't think, like. All I'm saying is Dallas better get out to a lead. Because <laughs> Let's just jump into the games because I, I really want to talk about that Dallas game because that's the one where we're going to differ the most. Uh, we have six games here on quote-unquote super wild card weekend. Um, we'll start with Saturday's first game. Uh, Bill Simmons calls this the Shakey's Bowl, the game that always features the AFC uh, South champ. is always the first game on wild card weekend with the lowest ratings. Feels like it uh, they, always features the Texans. Always features the Texans. Every once in a while, they'll throw the Jaguars or Titans in there. But if it's the Texans, it's the Saturday early game. Um, <laughs> it's Cleveland minus three at Houston. You said this right when it broke that way after Houston's win. This could have been Deshaun's return. But instead, we're getting America's quarterback, Joe Flacco, <laughs> versus the new generation star, C.J. Stroud. This is the coach of the year matchup right now. If you look at betting sites, there's only two candidates that you can bet on for coach of the year, and it's uh, Kevin Stefanski and D'Amico Ryans. It's basically a head-to-head. One of those two guys is going to win the award. Um, I think we're a little bit split on this one, too, because I like Houston at plus three. I know you're all over Cleveland. I do, but I don't think it necessarily means a blowout or, like, a double-digit win. I just 
Cleveland, their team right now travels anywhere. Not that you need to travel, you know, pack a defense at a running game for a dome like Houston is, but like, I just know they're going to show up and play really good defense and, and run the football. And, and Joe Flacco has been like damn good. And, you know, on the other hand though, like I know exactly what D'Amico's capable of and, and, you know, he'll have him he'll have him ready. And, and CJ Stroud is going to be a runaway rookie of the year. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the Texans being one of those classic happy to be there teams. Like there's been Texans teams in the past, like that one where TJ Yates was the quarterback or Schaub early on, uh, where they, they seem happy to be there. They're the four seed. They're like, hey, we get to host a playoff game. I don't think that a D'Amico Ryan's coach team with that talented of a quarterback, and by the way, a wide receiver in Nico Collins who's like going off for like 180 every week. It, he, he, I think he finished the year as like the sixth best fantasy wide receiver out of nowhere. I had no idea who that was coming into the season. But they got weapons. They got a hell of a quarterback and a great coach. I think it's going to be a close one. Uh, that that That's a game that I think we're going to differ on, but like – my prognostication there would be Flacco. I mean, he's 38. Even when he was in his prime, every once in a while he would have an absolute stinker. But that 2012 run is still in everybody's mind when it yeah, was like, is he elite? <laughs> yeah, for you that was suboptimal, <laughs> as they would say. But uh, that's the first. It's a better game I than think. I thought. Because because yeah, like mean, I was pretty pretty convinced Cleveland was at least winning a couple playoff games, but I don't know. If this had been Jacksonville, I'd be all over Cleveland here. I just think Houston is a live dog just because they got a coaching staff and a quarterback that are just like in the ascendancy, whereas Jacksonville was shitting their pants there at the end of the season. Uh, the Saturday Peacock game. This, by the way, the they cock spent bowl. 200. The, <laughs> the Cock Bowl. Yeah. Uh, they spent $200 million, NBC did, to buy this game and move it to Peacock. It's a shit game. It's, I mean, honestly. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And it's then it said what, it's going to be like Kansas zero City. degrees at kickoff. Yeah, Miami at Kansas City. Kansas City's favored by four. So this is forecast to be the coldest NFL game since the Vikings-Seahawks 2015 playoff game, which was played outdoors uh, in those two years in between uh, the Domes in Minnesota, the Blair Walsh game. That game was like minus eight at kickoff with some wind. This one's you know supposed what, to be zero at kickoff. You know what I think about with, that game is like it was cold, but like it but wasn't it like a nice day? Yeah, it was like sunny. It's like, yeah. it's like no, it's just freaking cold. Like, you <laughs> know, like the forget. snow, everything. You know, like there's been a couple like Buffalo games where it's like, oh my god, we can't even see the lines on the field, like the snow. <laughs> this one looks like a. It, it looks like if you couldn't see their breath, like you would think it might be like forty or fifty degrees. Like, no, it's zero. It's just <laughs> I'll freaking never cold. forget. So the game was a 10 a.m. game, so it started noon local time in Minnesota. Bud Grant, I think, was in his early 90s at the time. He came out in a T-shirt to flip the coin to start the game. And, he, I mean, that was like, at that point, I was like, we're going to win this game. 90-year-old former coach comes out and is like, this ain't cold. And then, of course, Blair Walsh yanked the field goal. But I'll never forget that game. Every single player from Bridgewater to Blair Walsh to every Seahawk, they're wearing the full, like, balaclava where only the eyes are showing because it was like – frostbite conditions that's how cold it was this game on saturday in kansas city uh 7 p.m local start there is supposed to be as cold as that now i wanted to ask you i lean miami plus four here just because they have a far better run game than kansas city does but they've also been on a slide but so is kc 
do you think the weather helps or hurts Miami in this case, given that they're a team that can run the ball far better than, than Kansas City can? You're right, but I just there's no way it helps them. There's no way. A, a, a team from Miami going to Kansas City, and like Tua especially, being Mr. like, He's always he was always barefoot on hard knocks like he's you know Mr. Hawaiian like like I'm sorry like especially being a northern Californian out here like we don't do the cold like yeah like you know I mean that's partly why you know Jared Goff like he went to Detroit he's doing so well like he's Mr. California kid he's the same thing Derek Carr a California guy he goes out in the in the cold and he just can't function mm-hmm. but you're right with the running game because it's a lot better than Kansas City's I just Traditionally, you would see. If it wasn't for Philadelphia, Miami, Miami is in an all time, all time yeah. tank job right now. I know they have a lot of injuries. And That's it's the, the same problem. thing that happened last season as well. They started, I believe, eight and two last year and finished nine and eight. Uh, complete collapse last year, mostly due to injury. This year, yeah, there's some injuries there, but also Tua didn't get him over the line. So traditionally, for a game like this, you would go, "Oh my God, Miami's going to get waxed because they're a warm weather team going to a cold weather team." But people. I mean, I'm seeing all these analysts picking Kansas City to just roll in this game. The last time we saw Kansas City, they were shaky as all hell. So, like, I, I don't understand. Last time I saw them, they favorite. were awful on Christmas. Yeah, against the Raiders. It was an absolute disaster. So, um, pretty odd situation here where you have the cold weather team with Mahomes, with Andy Reid at home against a team that's reeling, and yet I have no confidence in betting them. Uh, really weird game. Let's see if NBC can break even and get whatever. Which one are they? Which one is uh, Tariko calling? <laughs> I would imagine it would have to be that one. There's no way they would send him. For because the they also got the Sunday night one. Are they doing both? I. They're doing. I know they're doing Saturdays both games. Yeah, and, and Sunday. Sunday night. So maybe. I mean, who would they have? Who's NBC's? Third I don't even know group? who's who's her second crew. Is it that? Uh, Iron Eagles kid. Oh God, I hope not. What a fr- another freaking. And then the dude, the college the dude from uh, ESPN who came here. Watch it be Jack Black Collins. Black Ledge Todd Black. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to actually let's pull that because they kind of do. Well, remember that. last year they had Al Michaels, but like they already came out this, this year, year and said, said like, yeah. "Go home, old man." Yeah. Yeah, he had a tough year, and they were like, "Yeah, this is probably it for you." <laughs> He'd be—can you imagine him doing the Peacock game? Like, I'm out here. I'm like 85 years old. It's freaking cold, and this game's on the Cock Channel. <laughs> I've fallen a long way from the 1980 Miracle on Ice. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I'm actually not seeing it on the. Uh on the awful announcing site. So maybe they, they haven't even come up with a plan yet. Cause last year, yeah, they did have Al Michaels on there, which was a good throwback, but uh, let's see what they go with for those first two games. Uh, the Sunday morning game, we have Pittsburgh at Buffalo um, Pittsburgh. I mean, lucky to get in and then super unlucky to have TJ Watt be out for this game with an MCL sprain. Buffalo's favored by nine and a half. Uh, another one that, when this game opened, the total was set at 43. It's down to 35. Uh, that's because they are forecasting 30 to 50 mile an hour winds at game time for this game. And another one with the wind chill that could be sub-zero. So we're talking two 
back-to-back Saturday night, Sunday morning of the coldest games in NFL history. So this is going to be wild. Uh, to, again, to me, when you see weather like that, it favors the underdog. Um, this one I do think it favors Pittsburgh more than it favors Miami. Right, because Buffalo is a team that, I mean, they have run the ball better in the second half of the season. They're not necessarily a ground and pound. Yes, they can run Josh Allen, but they're a team that likes to throw the ball deep downfield. Pittsburgh can't do that with Mason Rudolph. Uh, this is going to be a low-scoring game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, do you have a side here you favor? Because obviously Buffalo is way better than I mean, Pittsburgh. But Buffalo, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I can't believe Pittsburgh made the play. I feel like Pittsburgh is just perennially that seventh team in these like new new age seven, and they just go there and just get whooped. Like happened in twenty twenty one with Roethlisberger, where you were like, oh, he played. Whether you go to game. Kansas City that one. <laughs> And got absolutely spanked. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it should be Buffalo. But I was just this is a bigger like topic. I was really thinking about it because you, you kind of see it in baseball where like you play, you know, a certain type of way all season. They get to the postseason, like especially if you're a team like I feel like I always see it like in Minnesota, especially when they went outdoors at Target Field. Like, oh, it's just about to be just freaking cold day, and it's just like. I wonder, like, in football, like, how fair is that? Because there's, there's, there's a reason why they put all these big, like, college bowl games, like, in domes, you know? Mm-hmm. SoFi, you know, Arizona, Dallas, New Orleans. And it's like, some of these, it's like, cool, we're going to play all season, get home field advantage. What, what's our first game? Oh, it's going to be zero degrees, 30-mile-an-hour winds, and, like, nope, can't throw the ball. Like, like the fans in the stands will be th- – their lives will be threatened by how cold like, it's going to be. Well, that like, – oh, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> – it's almost like, well, why should we invest in like a good offense or skill positions? Like, if we get to the postseason, like, it's just going to be just freaking cold, and like these guys won't be able to even, we won't be able to complete a pass. I don't know. It's just, it, it's just odd. It's just, I would never want it to change, but I just wonder about yeah. that. Like, if you get like Kansas City, like, sweet, we have this coach, this quarterback, and like, you know, usually before this season, we had sweet offense, and it's like, all right, cool. Um, game plan is we're going to run it 150 times because we can't do anything else. And yeah, I, I don't know. I would, I mean, I love it. It's part of the reason I love the playoffs is the, these legendary games where it's like bone chillingly cold and, you know, the toughest team wins, which is great. Um, I guess a lot of the NFC is going to go through warm weather and domes. I mean, the t- each of the top four seeds in the NFC plays in either warm weather for the Niners and Tampa or domes for Dallas and Detroit, and then even the Rams play in a dome too. So the AFC is going to be wild just in that the one, two, three. Uh, yeah, the one, two, and three seeds are all playing. I'm just trying to think, like in the NFC, like, like you said, I guess potentially Seattle gets more rainy than cold, like really cold. But like usually, like Packers, Bears, um, Philly, um, the Bears have been terrible, and the, pa- the Packers, like with Rodgers and, and you know, Devonte Adams, like all these guys, like they lost a lot of home playoff games. You know, yeah. relative to like how good they were. I mean, you were like when about Eli Manning beat them, yeah. too. Like, and I just wonder, like, cool if we had a dome. I know, like Lambeau Field, like ooh, historic Lambeau Fields. Like, well, if you had a dome, maybe like your quarterback wouldn't be like freezing his dick off, and like <laughs> he could like throw the ball. Like, I'm not making excuses. Like, play yeah. better, but I'm just saying, like. You know, and what was the one year that Aaron Rodgers actually had success and won the Super Bowl? It was the year he was on the road, six seed. Yep. And then played. Although, wasn't that in the Chicago, the NFC Championship game? I think that was the one Jay Cutler like 
quit. Yeah, he got hurt, and I actually remember the two quarterbacks who came in because the second guy got hurt and the third guy came in. It was Todd Collins who came in uh, first, and then he got hurt, and then Caleb Haney. Because I remember I hated the freaking Packers so much, especially <laughs> Rodgers back then. And I was like, all right, come on, Caleb Haney, you can do this. That, that was one of the most bizarre <laughs> games. It was just like the Niners NFC Championship where you're on the third or fourth quarterback and you're like, hey, we have nobody left. That was, uh, yeah. that was a wild one. But anyways, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I lean, Pitts, or I lean uh, Buffalo there just because they're so much of a better team. But I'm going to keep my eye on that forecast because nine and a half points – um, if you're a favorite that big and it's it truly is like 50 mile an hour wins like that game Buffalo New England on Monday Night Football a few years ago where it's like the Patriots only threw the ball three times all game I might have to keep an eye on that um, let's go into the Sunday afternoon slate you got Green Bay at Dallas Dallas is favored by seven this is where we're going to differ a little bit here so you were saying last week you're saying again this week Tight sphincters are coming in Dallas, especially if Green Bay gets out to an early lead. There are going to be some some quivering butts down there in Dallas. I actually think Dallas is just going to absolutely blow the doors off Green Bay in this game. I am going to pick them minus seven in our picks later. I just think their offense is so, so much better than Green Bay's defense that I just don't see a way where Love can keep up with that, especially with Dallas having a defense that ball hawks and gets a lot of turnovers. But you probably lean the underdog here, huh? I mean, I don't I don't lean them to, like, win or anything, but, like, like – well, if I was Dallas, I'd be lucky I wasn't seeing the Rams because if the Niners wouldn't have just quit in the second half, uh, the Rams would be going to Dallas. And that's the game I want. The Niner game Sunday was so weird to watch. You're just like, I want to win because, like, we go back-to-back years, like, going undefeated in the division. Like, I love beating the Rams. Like, you know, it's plus, like, you play to win the game. And then you're out there, you're like, oh, my God, please don't get hurt. Like, clearly, like – Sean McVay, as soon as Puka Nakua, that was a joke. They're trying to get him the record, which they should. Good for him. Seems like a fantastic kid. The Niners would like triple team him, like on and they were just running screens and slants. I'm like, what are we doing? You know, like. And then as soon as he catches the ball that gets in the record, you see they had they had the camera on McVay, and he's like, get him out, get, get him out. off the field. <laughs> and I'm like, like what game is this? And then he ran Carson went 17 times. Yeah. I'm like he said Carson Wentz go be Josh Allen. I'm like if that doesn't scream like get out of here like I don't care. I don't know what does. But because of that, the Rams get to go to Detroit which I think, you know, they probably would rather do and right. the Dallas gets the Packers. But I just think the Packers are maybe a young young and naive enough to think to just kind of like oh we're here like there's there's no pressure on the Packers. They've had a phenomenal year compared to like what People like could have thought, you know. And Jordan, Jordan Love looks Love more than competent in the NFL and touched in yeah. passing touchdowns. Insanity. Um. But yeah, oh boy, like if if they if they quick three and out by Dallas or something or anything like, I mean, there's literally no pre- more pressure than on. I think even more than the Niners. That right. for Dallas. I mean, the last time Dallas was a, a, a top seed, a one or two seed, they blew it against Green Bay at home in the 2016 playoffs when Dak was a rookie uh, after that insane sideline throw from Rodgers to Jared oh, Cook. Yeah. So it's like, this is probably That's Aaron Rodgers. This is going to be Jordan chance. Love. <laughs> yeah. Which, who knows? I mean, he could be a guy. 
God, I hope not. I mean, it's been 35 years straight <laughs> of great Packers quarterbackery, and I'm like, please let this end. Um, so we're going to differ on that one. We'll see if that makes it into the picks of the week. Then the big boy. This is a game we've been talking about on the horizon for weeks. Uh, you said, hey, maybe wouldn't that be wild if that happened? And it did. Uh, Rams. Oh, by the way, I know we're going to go with Stafford going back. But, like, no one's really talking about Tyreek Hill going back to Kansas City. Oh, I I hadn't even thought of that either. That's a really good angle, too. They probably uh, didn't because it's going to be freaking cold and he might be useless. Yeah. He's going to be bundled up in like uh, like Ralphie's uh, brother in the in a Christmas story where he's just like can't feel his legs because he's got fifteen. I wonder if uh, maybe they don't because they just cannot afford to get him hurt. Um, but like if they can't throw it, like why don't you run some like literally just like some Debo Samuel toss plays? It's Tyreek Hill. I don't know. That's what I was also thinking. Just Mostert left, Achan right. Was Mostert playing? They say Mostert is likely to play, and Waddle's a possibility. Um, I know Achan is playing, and I think he's just as good as Mostert. He just doesn't get the goal line carries. Uh, that one will be wild. I didn't even think about that. This is Tyreek's first game back in Kansas City. That's uh, that's it, right. I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking he plays. Yeah. The, the other one was in Germany. Yeah, and uh, and Kansas City barely squeaked that one out, too, so that'll be a good one. But, yeah. Uh, so let's get to the big one. Rams at Detroit. Detroit's favored by three and a half. This is Joey's lock of the millennium here with the Rams <laughs> plus three and a half. I think the Rams are going to hammer them. I hope <laughs> I'm wrong. Detroit's defense is a disaster. So they gave up 800 passing yards to Nick Mullins, and it could have been a lot more. <laughs> and he got benched. I mean, They're like not good enough against this team. Mullins was benched uh, after his performance where he threw 411 yards the first game. Hall was so bad against the Packers, they brought him back. He threw for like, I think it was 396 through the first, like, 46 minutes of the game, and then after that it was just a shit show. But I was like, he could throw for 500 in this game, and that's Nick frickin' Mullins. <laughs> um, does the Stafford-Goff revenge angle, this is a question I wanted to ask you, does that have any kind of impact on the game, or is this, like, a media thing? Is it just, like... I think that's that a real a thing. No, I mean, there's no way that there's not going to be some buzz. In this. There's, not gonna, there's no way Stafford's going to feel something when he goes back, but even more so. There's no freaking way Jared Goff doesn't want to shove it down the Rams for basically not only just trading him, but saying, like, yeah, dude, we hate you. Not personally, but just, like, we think you suck. Um, they benched him for John Wolford yeah. in a playoff game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing is, at that position, you it's really not like a angry revenge type of position. Mm-hmm. If it is like Brady had it, he would drum it up sometimes. But like right. he was very controlled and poised about it for the most part until he started screaming on the sideline or something. Mm-hmm. But I just like what's Jared? I don't know. Like, is Jared Goff's not going to run over a linebacker? Like, I don't, <laughs> you know. And I don't really think the, the problem is the problem is the one the one to... the one guy who does know Jared Goff is Raheem Morris, mm-hmm. and I just think and McVay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I and, mean, they know everything about that guy and what makes him tick. That's going to be an angle. But I think the whole Stafford having any animosity towards the Lions is way off, I think. Oh, he's got it, none. Yeah. But I, I just mean, like, just weird going back. And the Lions fans, too, being like, oh, there's our old franchise yeah. quarterback who we still love, and we got to pretend that we love Goff more than him. Yeah. And this is our first playoff That's game in cap. 30 years. <laughs> 
it's like it's like a, a guy who you know he was with a supermodel and now he's with just a regular woman he's like no jared's great we like jared goff he's great what are they gonna say they want a super bowl like I, even if Jared like wins this game, like what are the Rams going to be like? We still would rather have Stafford, and we want a Super Bowl. <laughs> I just feel, Detroit, but fans it would feel really waiting. good for Jared Goff. Feel damn good. Yeah, thirty years for for Detroit to host a playoff game. Oh, did you see the ticket prices? Insane. Like the get in price is like damn near six hundred. And Detroit, which is like two hundred more than the next highest game. I saw a TikTok the other day that Detroit is like the third. Least money per capita. I was just about to say, like, that's a lot of money in Detroit. In Detroit, that's a ton of money. And it's like, that shows you how excited they are to finally. I was like, wow, 600 bucks to watch your team get rolled. That's crazy. It's the first playoff game at Ford Field. uh, And that stadium's been there for like 25, 26 years. The last playoff game they hosted there was at the Pontiac Silverdome, which is now rubble. It's like, damn. (laughs) That's pretty rough. I, I. as much as I were going to bet on the Rams and we think the Rams win this one, and I'm a Viking fan, I still am probably going to pull for Detroit here just because. I, oh, I'm fans, pulling for Detroit. If they were to lose this Someone game, else do our dirty work. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I shouldn't be like this, this like nervous about like a team that – just division games are weird. I don't want to see a division team in the, in the postseason. You don't want to see McVay after he's had postseason success against you in the past. I, I totally get it. Uh, let's wrap it up with a Monday night game. Uh, basically the same situation for Tampa that they've had the last four years. As much as the Texans are the Saturday NBC wild card, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Bucks are the Tampa Bay Monday Nighters. It's so true. Last year they played Dallas and got absolutely rolled in the final game of Brady's career. Uh, the seasons before that they played Philly in the wild card round at home and Washington oh, yeah. on the wild card round at ro- on the road. So it's always... Tampa Bay against an NFC team to finish up the first week of the playoffs. Here we get it again. Philly's favored by three, despite being on the frickin' mother of all slides. <laughs> I've seen it referred to as the curse of Big Dom, because the Eagles are one and five since he was kicked off the sideline. I thought that was pretty funny, but like there is some truth to that game against Buffalo. It has been just an absolute tire fire for Philly since then. Do they have any chance of righting the ship here against what I think is a pretty freaking mediocre Tampa team? They or... Sadly, they do, because they're playing Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, granted... They were playing the Arizona Cardinals at home, and that didn't help. And then they played the New York Giants, who suck. <laughs> and it was 24. It was a wrap. They made they made Philly quit. And um, that was with most of Philly's starters playing in yeah. the first half. Uh, if you did, like, a fantasy draft of those two teams, the Eagles might be, like, the first, like, 15 picks. <laughs> I mean, maybe throw Saquon in there, like Andrew Thomas or something. But, um, Yeah. Uh, they're awful. I saw a graphic on uh, the Bleacher Report app it's on the Eagles fan page that that showed the graphic of the first quarter stats of the Niners Eagles, where like the Niners had negative six yards and were six nothing Philly, and then they're like, "Well, I don't know what wizardry happened after this quarter, but ever since then it's just been shit." <laughs> if you're if you're an Eagles player, coach, fan, any sort of rooting interest in the team. And it is. I mean, they just have been on an – it, it's just crazy because, like, everyone from coaches to players to media is like – like, this is like – this train is moving so fast downhill. Like, mm-hmm. like no one – like, everyone knows they don't have the answer, which is crazy. 
I saw. Uh, Although AJ, Howard. does AJ Brown play? Because if he doesn't, look at. I don't think so. I certainly don't think so. That looked like a significant knee injury to me. They're saying he's questionable. I don't think there's any way he plays in that game. And if he does, he's super limited. Uh, Colin Coward was saying on his show today he thinks there's a legitimate chance that this, if this is a Tampa Bay route, that Sirianni could be out one year. Oh, he should the be. NFC Championship. He should be. I, I don't. You know, I hate when you say like, "Oh, he wins, right? He wins, he wins." You know who also won a lot? Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, and everyone was free to pick up. Well, it ain't because of him. <laughs> like maybe they're winning, and it ain't because of you, Nick. Mm-hmm. Like you had two. It apparently seems like pretty darn good coordinators. Like, look at what. Steichen what do you do? Did. Like you say, it's your offense. You don't call plays. You have nothing to do with the defense. It's an absolute joke. Apparently, you fired Sean Desai. For a guy who's way worse in Matt Patricia. Patricia's been awful. And then Steichen, if you look everywhere. Your team is sloppy. I don't care how cool of a nice guy Big Dom is. Your your guy on the sideline getting into something. I'm not going to say a fight. It wasn't really all that much. Like, your sideline is is acting up. Like, like John Harbaugh is a CEO head coach. Like, he doesn't, you know, have offense. He just runs the ship. And it's Mm -hmm. a tight ship. You don't run a tight ship, and you don't have like you don't call plays, and you don't. What do you do? Like, what do you do? Like, serious, serious question. Like, you better not be getting dumb penalties. You better not be having miscommunication that results in timeouts. You cry at the national anthem. I mean, like, what do you do? So tough spot for the Eagles there. The only I'm not saying it's fair. Like Tampa. I mean, they've been awful the last two weeks. Nine points against Carolina last week. It was enough to win the division. But with Baker seemingly hurt, apparently shoulder and knee, he's not going to be 100% in this game. It's a tough one to handicap. See, I probably this why Tampa, but if the if see this is why I, would, I don't want to root for Dallas. But like if they do win, which I I think they do, and like really rooting for Detroit, the Niners are either going to get a just shit banged up Philly team or just a bad Tampa Bay team <laughs> which with with be. maybe hurt, and it's like okay, cool. <laughs> That would be phenomenal. That's and then, the and then you get Detroit or Dallas, who, like, whatever. I sound like, I, like, like we're gonna lose in one of these teams. I'm gonna sound like an absolute jackass, but you know what? <laughs> like, eventually, you gotta stick your neck out there. And like, if that happens, if the Niners get to play Philly or Tampa and then lose to Dallas or Detroit, like, and they like they don't reach the Super Bowl, we got big problems. Yeah. We got big, big problems. You Can't happen. One. Yeah, this is the year. I mean, maybe you have one more year with Purdy on the rookie deal. I'm trying to think. Year. I'm trying to but, think. Like man. losing to the Ravens in the Super Bowl, I might be able to tolerate. Maybe. Maybe depending on how it goes, you can't get yeah. whooped again like Christmas. Mm. But like you said, like everyone says, oh, the Eagles will be back. Jalen Hurts, young guy, look Nick Sirianni. Well, like one year later, the shit has hit the fan. <laughs> Like, that was a quick run. Like, you just never know when you're getting back. I don't care if you're Mahomes or whoever. When you're a one or two seed in the NFL, and I have learned this as a Vikings fan, that's your shot. Like, there ain't going to be another shot. We had one in 2017. We had one in 2009. We had one in 2000. We had one in 98. Those are the only times in my life we had a first-round bye. 
all four times we made it to the NFC Championship game, all four times we lost. Like, those chances do not come very often. Granted, this is the Niners, what, fourth chance in the last I saw something, years. and I, I didn't realize it, but I read something that the Niners, like the last five or six times, they've made the playoffs as a team. This goes back to, like, even Harbaugh years. Mm-hmm. They've won two games every time. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been like win the divisional round with a bye when the and they get to Super Bowl. Some of them have been wild card division losing, but they've lost. They've won two games every time, dating back to I think the last time maybe was like when they beat the Saints in that like probably the my most famous like game I've ever seen. Yeah, Yeah. and then lost to uh, Kyle Williams. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah. I was gonna say you lost to Eli, but you really didn't. It was um, Kyle Williams. But still, like that's a conference championship at the time. Um, yeah, yeah. You haven't been del- eliminated in the divisional round since the freaking Dennis Erickson days or something. It's been that. Yeah, long. I remember we beat Tampa. I think. I remember you beat uh, the Giants with Jeff Garcia on that crazy. That was play. yeah, the one that tackled him <laughs> on the botched field goal. That yeah. was such a flag. I <laughs> <That> was like. <laughs> That was like the first referee crisis I remember as a kid where you're like, I don't see the thing is like, I I remember watching it being a kid, but I don't remember like the magnitude of like, what the hell was that? (laughs) Like, you just remember like, yay, Jeff Garcia. You just see you. If that play happened now on social media, what an absolute just tire fire would be on the, on the internet. Oh my God. But yeah, I think the the comparison to that is the 2019 NFC championship. That was bad. Pass interference. Yeah. Yeah. That was Oof. All right, so we just went through each of the six games on Super Wild Card Weekend. Obviously, we differ on a couple, but uh, Joey knows what he's rooting for as a Niner fan, and I only have bets to root for as my Vikings are toast. Um, let's head over to Joey's Jack and the Bum of the Week. Uh, final one of the regular season, and I think there's a clear number one here. I'm going to give you a few candidates, though, anyway. The Seahawks locker room. Uh, I sent this to you. <laughs> I sent this to Evan. They were eliminated uh, after a barely squeaking by 21-20 win against Arizona. It wasn't enough because Green Bay won. That didn't stop, uh, I believe it was either 9 or 10 Seahawks players in the locker room from lighting up cigars at the end of the season. You're, you're eliminated. You didn't even make the playoffs. I know, but like honestly, I saw an article about it, and it makes me think differently of it. Because I, I don't know if uh, Evan like knew this, but I guess Julian love they're one of their players like had a baby recently and like someone bought him cigars to like have with some of his teammates and they waited until now to actually smoke them. Cause they didn't want to do it during the season, mm. which I guess I kind of understand, but you waited like 0.5 seconds after your season's over Yeah, in the locker room, which I don't like if a you waited this long already, like could you just wait to like get back games. to Seattle, like on the plane yeah. or something? That was weird. Still not as still not as dumb as uh, popping champagne for an in season tournament title, but Oof. or winning the AL wild card game and popping champagne when you still have three full rounds of playoffs to go. No, what's even dumber than that is when they pop. Don't they pop champagne like even if they win like September twentieth and like win to go to the playoffs? Oh, yeah. They clinch a wild card spot and they pop champagne. <laughs> then they win a one game playoff and pop champagne, and then so that's an a lot the of the champagnes. I mean, it's like, yeah, clearly Moet or whoever, Perrier, Jouet, <laughs> they're all making their money off of the MLB uh, and freaking LeBron popping bottles after winning. 
uh, the in-season tournament. Uh, so the Seahawks there, obviously there's a different backstory, but it's just a bad look. Like, why anyone would do that in view of the media again? Terrible look. Your team just got dumb. eliminated. So dumb. Such an unforced error there. <laughs> Speaking of that, Dennis Allen is a nominee here. <laughs> Not because of anything he did, but because of his lack of control of that team. So they're up, I believe it was 41-17 to 17 with a minute left and no timeouts for, for the Falcons. All they have to do is knee the ball to win the game. They hand the ball off, Winston does, to, J, uh, to uh, Jamal Williams, who hadn't had a touchdown all year. His teammates really wanted him to get a touchdown. So they oh, is faked, that why? I didn't know that. They faked taking a knee, but handed it off to Williams, and he plunged in for a touchdown. So Arthur Smith is livid in the postgame handshake. He's just screaming at Dennis Allen, and I overheard this during the, you know, as it happened live on Red Zone, and wondered what the hell that was about. Dennis Allen was yelling at Arthur Smith. I agree with you. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> After the game, he goes, "Yeah, Winston and some of the guys they went rogue. I told them to take a knee, and they didn't listen to me, and they ran the ball up the middle." And I was like, "Has that ever happened in the NFL in recent memory, where a, a play that gets called into the headset is completely ignored by the team? Like that's a major." I feel know, like that happens quite a bit, but like not in that scenario. Like what, I feel like, like Tom Brady probably would have got a play call, and then he's like, "No, fuck this play." <laughs> or like Rogers, like we'd get a play from McCarthy and be like, "Oh, this play, I'm calling audible." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, no one cares. But this is a kneel down. Yeah, twenty seven. Like audible of a kneel down. Like that's that's some Madden shit. Yeah, that's some like online fake Madden punt up by forty. <laughs> 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 That's the Madden shit right there. So Dennis Allen, who's completely lost his team. I wonder if there's any chance he gets fired because they were pretty lifeless this year. Uh, he hasn't been yet. We'll see if he hangs on there. Just a uninspiring coach. Uh, and then Doug Peterson, who oversaw a massive collapse. They were 8-3, and three, uh, the Jaguars. They went 1-6 and six down the stretch and missed the playoffs. Um, total disaster there in Jacksonville, and someone has to pay for it. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, we put up the stats uh or I sent you the stats earlier today. If you just compare his career win-loss record, completion percentage, yards per game, touchdowns to interceptions ratio, he's worse than Mac Jones by every noticeable uh, metric. Yikes. So, I mean, big yikes for him. Uh, big yikes for Doug Peterson, who just missed out making the list after his collapse. But uh, the aforementioned Nick Sirianni is going to be the winner here. Jack in the bum could be of the year. Nick Sirianni for reasons – already mentioned um but yeah i think he's legitimately in danger of being fired especially if they get rolled but even if they lose like boy it just feels really uh, it feels like they don't even like each other Mm -hmm. like you don't have to but like i feel like i feel like it helps could be wrong you know breaking news i feel like it helps I mean, I think Tom and Bill might have hated each other sometimes, and like the players might might have hated the you know Belichick, but like I don't know if the players ever hated the players. Like, you know, I one of my things I have done the last couple of weeks because I, I I kind of enjoyed the Eagles' downfall um, a little bit. I think we all did. Yeah, and uh, I listened to some fan podcasts and. Uh, like not fan, they're like beat writers, but like they, it's definitely like they're fans of the team, like also right for them. And this guy, he he was like saying, like we for some reason give Jalen Hurts a pass, like 
we should. He was like, he was arguing that we shouldn't for his play on the field because, like, boy, you're not getting fifty million dollars worth of quarterback play right now mm-hmm. from Jalen Hurts. But he was all saying like this, you know, like oh, they were never questioning like his leadership in it. Like he was all like off the field, like oh, stand up A plus guy. And like his point was like, guys, if you really think about it, this is like we are re doing the end of the Carson Wentz experience. Like he was saying there's stuff that like the t- his teammates think he's like not a part of the team. Like the way he like leads or like he's very isolated. Like he doesn't really again, doesn't hang out with the team like on dinners and stuff. Like again, I I'm just listening to this random guy. Well, he's not random. He writes for the I think NBC Philly or whatever. Um but I was like I thought Jalen was like Mr. Buttoned up, like, you know, Nick Saban, like, say the right things, leader. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Eagles are saying, like, nope, like, we're off the rails here, and he's, like, nowhere to be found. Well, he's just, like, the most stoic dude you've ever seen. It doesn't matter if he just had six touchdowns or five picks. He is dead silent with no emotion on the sideline. So it's, like, maybe that doesn't play well when you're getting – Well, maybe uh, maybe it doesn't game. play well. Like, like some of the team – like, some of their players seem, like, pretty – um, I'd say like, I don't know, like we're like, I don't know, passionate player. Not to say Jalen's not, but like, yeah, rah rah guy. You rah yeah, yeah. That's I don't know, looking for a fancy word. That's just but you know, rah rah. Like, you know, AJ Brown probably likes to talk. Like the offensive line's putting out. Like they have personality. Offensive right. line puts out a Christmas you know album out every year, or whatever. Like Brandon Graham is like every time I see an NFL mic'd up is like tr- talking trash the entire game. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, Hassan Reddick, like, they all have some stuff to them, yeah. like some some juice. Even their coach, Big Dom, like, of <laughs> course that's Philly. Of course, of course that's the Eagles. <laughs> and it's like Jalen Hurts is like, like he's trying to run for president as the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm like, could you th- – if, like if I was an Eagles fan, I'm sure they feel like this. Could you throw a chair or something – Staff like, a clipboard. Like, you know, no one loves to see Tom, like, break the the iPad. But, like, it's the only way fans know how to quantify, like, do you care? <laughs> like, do you care that we are in, like, an all-time freefall right now, Jalen, if you're an Eagles fan? Because it looks and like... when you say an all-time freefall, I was racking my brain before the pod to try to think of a team that had this kind of a collapse and yet still made the playoffs and has this bad of a negative vibe heading into the playoffs, and I couldn't think of any. I mean, I think, was it the COVID year or something? That, like, the Steelers were, like, 10-0, and and, like, everyone's like, nah, that ain't it. Yeah. But no, that's the thing. Like, people were 10-1 and with Philly, when they were 10-1, and people were like... Oh, they just know how to win. Like, they believed it. Like, oh, the infrastructure. The, the gritty, you know, just head coach and quarterback combo know how to win. <laughs> they went and down like, to Wawa and got some sandwiches there. <laughs> and then everyone, everyone's like, yeah, they're also down at halftime every game, and they're giving up like a billion yards on defense. And, yeah, I mean, it finally caught up to them i guess but like i thought it was going to catch up to them but i thought it was going to catch up to them and they would finish like 13 and 4 yeah and then next year would be the year of reckoning and it's like no it just happened immediately after the buffalo game you know the niners waxed them the giants waxed them it's like damn i mean yeah dallas like just not even close 
And yeah, I, I just and it falls on Sirianni. Which yes, again, they also made this hurts, point in the but... podcast, and I didn't have a real good rebuttal to it. But they said, "What's the difference between Nick Sirianni and Mike McDaniel?" Uh, McDaniel's more likable, <laughs> right? Other than that, <laughs> he seems like he's cooler. He calls plays, right? Mm-hmm. So he does something, whether or not they work or not. Which I guess. Who knows? Would you rather call plays and then have they not work or just don't call plays at all? <laughs> I don't think Miami's plays aren't working. I just think they're injured plus, like, I just think when it comes down to it, like, no one in, like, Tua is never going to beat Sniff, Josh Allen's quarterback tier. Yeah. Like, there's only so much you can do. Um, Kayla's cousin texted me. He's like, he said he saw something on Twitter said, Tua is Hawaiian Tintivo. Okay. And I'm like, you know, put some no. respect on Tebow's name. He won a playoff game. Tua? Oh. Okay. I'm Obviously, I'm not necessarily a Tua stan here, but I won't <laughs> allow, allow that kind of slander. I still think he's a good player. He's just he's, he's a top 14, 15 quarterback. He is not a top The problem is, is that's one of my biggest pet peeves, like, in sports, is when someone says, oh, he's top five, he's top five. And then, like, if you if you count all the names you said in the top five, your top five is like a top twenty four. Yeah, and like you have to nail it down. Like yeah. people say, like, oh, Tua, he's top ten. I'm like, really? Is he? Because when you start naming them, like, you're like, oh well, he's actually eleventh or fourteenth or something. Yeah, it kind of has to be that way. But back to the point with Sirianni, I think you before the season, if people were to try to compare Sirianni, they would say. He is a John Harbaugh type where he is the CEO there and he runs the ship and it's a very talented roster that he keeps together as the glue. After a season like this, I think he's closer to the Ron Rivera side where it's like, what do you do? And that's oh, God, that's, that's, that's good. Because, yeah, John Harbaugh yeah, John Harbaugh is like a, a damn outlier. Mm-hmm. Like how many of those are there? Like who, like special teams I'm, guy? Run the I was team. thinking about this the other day. There's three types of NFL head coach, and I thought about this, and I went through all 32 teams and kind of broke them down into th- the three. So there's the Parcells tree, which is the master motivator, you know, old school angry coach. Your your Belichick, your Sean Payton, your Mike Zimmer, you know, Parcells going back. Then there's your schemer, your guy like Shanahan, Mike Holmgren, Andy Reid you know, Mike McDaniel, these types of guys. And then there's the, you know, motivational Dan Campbell, Mike Tomlin type guy. And you try to drop all of these guys. Usually defensive guys. Usually defensive guys. But sometimes you'll have like a Dan Campbell who's more of an offensive guy, but he's a motivational guy. Dan Campbell, like you think about like he is an offensive guy, but like, oh, he's a defensive guy. Like there's no way he's not a defensive guy. Like, no, he played offense. He knows offense. (laughs) He played tight end. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like I, there's those three buckets, and if you don't fit in at any of those, you usually suck. Like, and I'm looking at Sirianni, and I'm saying, okay, is he a Parcells, Mike Zimmer type motivator that chews people out? Maybe. Is he a schemer? Absolutely, freaking not. Is he, <laughs> you know, a motivator guy who's like a you know players coach like Campbell, like you know, har- like you can't um, be if your players Tom don't. Like- <laughs> exactly. So where does he fit into those three tiers? I don't think he does, and. This whole Colin Coward thing today, they got all that play on Fox. I mean, I really do think that you're right. There is a chance that he could be let go because this slide has been so massive. Like, if there was a blip, say they beat Dallas, you know, in one of those games a few weeks ago, then sure, you'd be like, 
say say that game where they did beat Dallas, they won by like twenty four instead of six. Maybe that saves him. But like they haven't been good since early October, like mid October. This has been a hell of a slide. See, the thing is, like you start to look at their games and like what win do they have? That's like impressive. They beat the Vikings by six. You that's know, my point. That's like granted that was when they had Kirk and but like was it though? Because didn't the Vikings turn over like five times? We had twenty eight points with five turnovers. We could have scored forty. That's plus not good game. if you're <laughs> Philly. You know, and like the, they're like, oh, we went in the road and beat the defending champs. And like, well, the Chiefs have kind of had the worst season of like their era. God, I hate that I use that word. <laughs> And remember the uh, earlier in the season. Like you barely the- beat Buffalo at home. It took a 59-yarder in the rain to send it to overtime when Buffalo was absolutely in shambles. Both games against Washington, I believe they won by three points. Like Rocked man, by man. Dallas in Dallas. Rocked by the Niners. Yeah. Okay, you beat Miami. Also Rocked gets by also, the Giants <laughs> in the first half. Your, your win on, at, on Sunday Night Football at home against Miami it looks worse every week. Yeah. Unbelievable, and their wins against Dallas. I mean, look at what Dallas has done against good teams like boat race by the Niners, beaten by Miami. I mean, there's a really good case for Sirianni being let go, and I can't believe I'm saying that for a guy who went 14 and three and won the NFC last year. So there's Joey's Jack in the bum of the week for Week 18, the final regular season one. Nick Sirianni. Uh, let's go to the you like that picks of the week. Uh, last week we went two and three to finish the regular season. 47, 39, and 4, so over 500. Not too bad for a regular season. Uh, our futures, though, those are done. The season is over. We went 5, 2, and 1. Um, we actually did pretty well for our preseason picks from our four preseason pods. Uh, we had Indy under 6.5. That didn't get there. Atlanta under 8.5. That did. Uh, we picked Buffalo to win the division. That got there. We picked Washington under 6.5. That got in. Baltimore over 10.5 we won, Raiders over 6.5 we won, Seattle over 9 we pushed, and then the Vikings over 8.5 we lost. So 5-2-1 on the preseason picks, not too bad. Like, we'll take that any day of the week. So all things considered, a really good season betting-wise. Let's try to keep that going into uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, I have five picks here. I'm just going to rattle them off for you, Joey, and you tell me where you think I could maybe switch. So we got Miami plus four. Again, I like the run game. I like, um, you know, Kansas City to kind of falter a little bit here with the way they've been playing towards the end of the season. I like Buffalo minus nine and a half just because Pittsburgh without TJ Watt, I believe their record without him during his career is something like three and 16. So I like Buffalo to win by margin there, even with the bad weather. Dallas minus seven at home. I just think Green Bay's defense is terrible. Ask any Packer fan what they think about their defense, and they'll say, fire Joe Brady or Joe, uh, what's the, what the hell is his name? Not Joe Brady, uh, Joe Barry. They absolutely oh, yeah. want to get rid of that guy. So they hate his guts. So give me Dallas minus seven. <laughs> and then your lock of the millennium, Rams plus three and a half. Uh, we have to take that one. And then I'll take a flyer on Tampa Bay plus three with how Philly's been, been sliding. So of those five, which one worries you the most? And would you switch it for something else? Probably Miami. So if but we're gonna, I take, but I wouldn't switch it. So Cleveland minus three, Houston plus three, you know Kansas City minus four. Is there any any of those that you prefer to no. Miami? 
the no that's the thing no that's the problem is like i wanted to take houston maybe as the fifth one there but you know again cleveland's defense is going to travel into that dome no problem and miles garrett's going to be in the backfield all game so uh, i think we'll stick with those let's try to rattle off a good start to the playoffs uh like i mentioned we're 47 39 and 4 in 2023 including 5 2 and 1 on futures now that those are graded looking for a winning super wild card weekend miami plus four buffalo minus nine and a half dallas minus seven the rams plus three and a half and tampa bay plus three those are you you like that picks of the week Joey, it's time for your Feels Great Baby, your wildest take you feel best about currently. This isn't really a wild take, but you have been talking about this for weeks and weeks, and you're going to go out on a limb and make a call in one of these uh, super wild card games. Yeah, not super, not my most wild take, um, but it's definitely the thing I feel the strongest about, and that's the Rams rolling into Detroit and ruining their party because, yeah, I, I think I think the Rams are – the dangerous team in the postseason that's, you know, outside of the Ravens and, and Niners. Um, yeah, I just – I think I think the ultimate X factor, the, the guy that changed everything for me, because I wouldn't have said this last year or even their Super Bowl year, the guy that changed everything is Kyron Williams. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a humongous problem. Everything that is in the Shanahan scheme that McVay runs, runs through the play action, running back, you know, outside, inside zones. And, and he is, I mean, come from essentially nowhere to being what I think is now very clearly the second best running back in the, in, in football. Um, I, I got to see him play in that Rams Browns game down here in LA and, He's magical. Like that dude, he's he, he has the shady McCoy cut, but he also has the vision and it's it's really impressive. Yeah, I mean he almost feels like a guaranteed like two touchdowns a game. Like he feels like he feels like Adrian Peterson in his prime or something. Like he just walks but off the he, bus and here and here too. comes here comes a buck fifty and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just on top of that like, <laughs> I was all like, oh, the Rams, you know, they got old real quick. And, like, you know, it's back to being Niners in Seattle division. And it's like, okay, Seattle, like, definitely underachieved this year. But, um, McVay can coach. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so can Pete. And it's like, I mean, they weren't like awful. But yeah, I just, McVay, like, it's like, as, as a Niner fan, like, where the hell did Kyron Williams come from? And then who the Fuka is Puka Nakua? And why is he so good? And then, oh, Cooper Cup's healthy. And then Stafford's like, holy shit, that he can still throw his, it. Yeah, his elbow has some problems. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't. They fixed it. Put a bionic elbow and whatever they did. I don't know. Um, Aaron Donald's still, you know, a force. And the guys they've taken and developed in the draft on defense, the young guys that no one's really ever heard of, mm. are playing very well, which is a testament to um, – Raheem Morris. It's, it's, yeah, it's, co- coaching him and, and the G, and the uh, the GM. Um, yeah, I think Kyle today said if he was hiring a team or hiring a team, hiring a coach for a team, he would hire Raheem Morris. Like he'd be the guy he would hire. I think he said that today or yesterday. I don't know one of the times because I think they mentioned he got interviews um, coming up. Hopefully he takes them and like accepts a job and is very distracted from his current duties as defensive coordinator <laughs> of the LA Rams. Um, 
But yeah, I they they look really good. It's just it's just it's, it's just crazy. Their, their defense, particularly the back seven, is the thing that'll keep them from you know making a run in the playoffs. But like you said, they got elite wide receivers, probably a top two or three running back, probably one of the top three quarterbacks left uh, in the bracket. Uh, it's it's a dangerous team if they block well. I mean, I freaking love Brock Purdy. Ain't no way in hell he can sling it at his best as good as Stafford. There's a reason that <laughs> Stafford was picked number one and Purdy like, was picked Like, there's sometimes, like, the draft, oh, what a crapshoot, like, screw it, they should have picked this guy earlier, you know, Purdy, and it's like, well, he doesn't look like Matthew Stafford, who <laughs> went first. He's not as big, he doesn't have the arm strength, he doesn't have the... About the only thing he's better than Matthew Stafford at is is like maybe a little bit of mobility. Like Stafford has never been able to mm-hmm. really been the most mobile guy, but he probably was was when he was younger a bit. Like not now, but when if, if the offensive line keeps him upright, it's going to be a long day. And at one of your favorite sayings, he has an absolute hose. Hose, <laughs> like hose. It's like there's- what, like there's some people you know like I've said like I Kyler Murray throws a beautiful ball. Stafford, like, it just, like, it looks just so effortless. Mm-hmm. Like, Josh Allen has a cannon, but, like, he, I don't know, it doesn't look as effortless. It's violent. It's right. violent, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like, like I always say, it's the Kaepernick, like, violent arm. Stafford is like Verlander, and it just comes out gas. <laughs> and I'm like, and it's like, when it's accurate, you're just like, oh, my God, that's high-level $50 million. Like, that's what that's supposed to look like. <laughs> like, oh, I haven't seen that as much as you know, Love Purdy. Like, that was, like, a 20-yard out route, like, absolutely put, like, in about this space of, yeah. Um, I love how we spend, you know, just years and years trying to dissect whether a quarterback has it or not. And yet still, after 25, 30 years of watching football, when we see a guy like Stafford or Favre throw a ball that's like 90 miles an hour right on a dart, we're just like, oh, my God, we're never going to have that ever. <laughs> like, it just – I don't want to bang on this guy who's already been bagged enough, but, like, does that look like Bryce Young? Number one overall. It doesn't even look like C.J. Stroud, who's had a damn good year. Stroud has an absolute cannon. He by the he way. does. He absolutely oh does. God. He he did some back foot and no foot, like in the air throws against Indy. And I had watched some Stroud this year. I hadn't watched like full games. That was the Dude most I've watched of him. Cannon. Oh. Yeah. Um. Same with Richardson too, and yet Carolina was like, hmm. Let's go with the guy. <laughs> no wonder everyone got everyone anything. got fired. Oof. So there's Joey's feels great baby. The Rams will upset Detroit and ruin the party there at Ford Field on Sunday. Uh, let's close the pod. I want to do a quick discussion uh, about the A's. So there's been some some updates here. Uh, obviously, there's like the fan related stuff. The A's are host or the uh, A's fans are hosting their own fan fest since the A's don't do it anymore, uh, and they're going to take all the proceeds. Oh, they don't. That. Yeah, of course they do. I, mean, they, I guess, they I guess why no would interest. they? I guess why that would be yeah. awkward. 
So the fans are doing it themselves, and they're they're taking all the proceeds from that and donating it towards this Schools Over Stadiums initiative, uh, which, if you subscribe to the pod, I put that as one of the links when you click on our episodes. So uh, donating to them makes it almost impossible for John Fisher to get that $380 million that he got from the Nevada state government because there is going to be uh, a vote in November uh, of this year, of 2024, as to whether that state bill that gave that $380 million to John Fisher will be repealed. And uh, according to... And all sources, it's going to be on the ballot. And if it is on the ballot, it is going to get removed. So I think it's almost certain at this point, based on recent developments with both that and, you know, some news that's come out about uh, Fisher not having the actual money to be able to push this deal over. Uh, he needs to provide like $1.2 billion of his own money. He apparently is worth about $300 million outside of the A's uh, as his, you know, primary investment. Uh, everything is apparently falling through just like us Oakland fans hoped it would. The only problem is it looks like he's certain to sell the team at some point in between now and 2025. The question is, is MLB going to try to save face and have him sell to a Las Vegas based company to push this over the line? Or is there any chance for the Bay area here? So I know you're not following as much as, as I am and as my brother is and all our diehard A's fan friends are, but, um, the season's coming up here in two and a half months, and we just need to get this shit taken care of. Like, some, we can't have this 2024 final season Oh, you absolutely can, Oakland. because there's been no, like, because this shit should have happened, like, three years ago or something. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, like, you know there's death taxes and, like, what you know that say, whatever that saying is? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the opposite of that. Like, there's just... No guarantees of anything happening anytime. I don't know. It's just, it is such a weird thing. I don't know. It's so weird. Well, you have experienced going back to like 06. Like, this is the ninth or tenth time there has been a, hey, here it is. Here is the A's final stadium situation. First, it was, you know, Cisco Field in Fremont. Then it was going to be in San Jose. Then there was going to be uh, Coliseum City. Then there was going to be Howard Terminal Waterfront. Then there was going to be Peralta Community College by uh, Laney over there by Lake Merritt. Then there was going to be Howard Terminal again. Then they were going to buy half of the Coliseum site and turn that into like parks and apartments and shit after the A's moved to the Oakland waterfront. None of this stuff ever happened, partly because, you know, there was feet dragging, but mostly because of the incompetence of A's ownership. So I've been saying ever since the vote happened that basically put the nail in the coffin where MLB said the A's are allowed to move to Vegas. We're not going to make them pay the relocation fee that we've made previous teams pay. I was like, oh shit, it's over. Unless... Fisher blows it again for like the fifth or sixth time. And it sure freaking looks like uh, it's going to happen. So they had a meeting. I believe it was December 5th or 6th where the A's were going to meet with the city council of Las Vegas, uh, various local stakeholders, there, casino folks and unveil their actual renderings of the stadium, not the shitty AI ones they made for the, the bill vote. Um, they said, oh, we're postponing that because there was a shooting of two Las Vegas police officers. That was 37 days ago, and they haven't announced that they're going to actually show those renderings. And from what I read from all the people in Vegas who move the money around, the casino folks, um, local sports business writers, the city is fully out on John Fisher, and they want nothing to do with him. So 
he's going to sell the team. I mean, what I've been asking for for the last decade, it is going to happen. The only question at this point is, is it going to be to a Las Vegas buyer or is it going to be to a Bay Area someone that can come in? Like, I please, Joe Lacob, please. I, I literally, it, I'll wire him ten grand right now to help <laughs> buy the team. Like, please. If Joe Lacob buys the A's, my life is just a, a thousand times better. <laughs> We're getting to that point where you're you're just begging at this point. But, I mean, what, looking at it from afar, you have to be like, why can't we just get this shit done, right? But, I mean, the saga just drags on. I wish, yeah, I mean, just for the sake of everybody, like, have some sort of th- something happen. There's too many people invested wasting valuable time, like... With their emotions. Like, it just... Yeah. The people of Oakland don't deserve this. I think Vegas, sure. Give them an expansion team. You know, give Las Vegas... the. I, frankly, I think they deserve a basketball team long before they deserve a baseball team. Like, Vegas and basketball would get along great. Vegas and baseball, I just it's not going to be a baseball town. And if it is, it won't be for a while until the population grows a little bit there. Right now, they're like the... 34th biggest media market in the u.s and i love las vegas and everything but yeah i saw that i was like i thought they were a bigger media market (laughs) 34th and i think that's because most of baseball money comes from local revenue not a great bet if they want an expansion team i feel like the vegas golden knights method can work for baseball but it needs to be a vegas owner and a vegas born team if it's someone moving from someone else it's gonna be a freaking hate them but, like, everything they've ever done as a franchise, for the most part, has been, like... First class. How you would do yeah. it. Yeah. And that's what they... That's I mean, if I'm a Vegas sports fan, that's how I like want to get The only thing I've even remotely heard is, like, sometimes they've been pretty brutal. Or, like, I don't want to say brutal, but, like, very, very transactional with some of their players. Like, how, how they got rid of Flurry... Mm-hmm. I saw some Vegas people say, like, really, you're going to treat him like that? And, like, I, I just knew, like, the GM a couple times. Like, I know one time traded a dude, on, like, on his, like, near his, like, on his, might have been on his wedding <laughs> or something like that. Or, like, he was, yeah, and just didn't call, like, they're finding out like that. But other than that, like, as a business thing, for that's player, that's, like, hockey department. Mm-hmm. And they won, so, like, who cares? Uh, but, like, as a business thing, like, the owner down has been, like, I mean, they're, like, a top five hockey market in Vegas. Like, huh? It's, it's how you – it's literally – But look at the – look at here. Up. Look at the Warriors. Like, I mean, yeah, cool. We have a big media market, and, like, there's a lot of basketball fans here, but, like, the Warriors were a freaking joke. Absolute joke. And From the owner comes in. Owner comes in and is like, "No, we're gonna freaking win," and like actually mean it. Like hire the right people. Like cut the checks. Um, build the stadium without any opposition. Yeah, I mean, it's all about you the have, owner. It's all it about really the is. owner, which and sucks as a fan because it's like only one freaking owner. Like if you have one bad player, if you're like, okay, right tackle is a liability, but like we got a lot of good players. Owner, it's, only it's like, one owner. and they can't fire themselves. 
Uh, they can only Donald Sterling. I was just about to say, I'm like, well, they could do something, but like, you don't want that either. They could Donald Sterling or uh, Jim Irsay or Jim Irsay their way into something, but uh, that's the latest development on the A's. I'm hoping that Fisher sells to a Bay Area buyer. It's clear he's, you know, not got the capital to get that job over the line. I think him and Cavill are realizing this is the isn't, end of the line. Isn't so. that just like a kick in the dick? Like for like, who cares about John Fisher? But just like. Kind of one of those things when you show up to like a billionaire's meeting and you're like, oh shit, I'm only a millionaire. <laughs> and like, and did you see the story? So this was at the owners' meetings where they voted to allow the A's to move to Vegas, and a bunch of A's fans did find John Fisher and Dave Cavill eating dinner. And Fisher's response to the A's fans were, were like, "Why are you ripping our team away from us?" He goes, "I promise you, things are worse for me than they are for you." And I'm like, "What a thing for a billionaire to say!" But it's like. He actually kind of meant it because, like, this is a guy who had several billion dollars and his company that he inherited from his mom, The Gap. I don't know if you're a guy who shops at The Gap. I don't know anyone who shops at The Gap. Their stock prices dropped, like, 90% in the last decade. So, like, this is a guy who had billions and now doesn't. So, it's like, fuck you, John Fisher. Like, take your But, I mean, like, like, you know, like, if me being outpriced on something – and, like, I consider myself, like, a very, like, well-fortunate, like, I like I don't live like, unfortunately, a lot of people live. Like, mm-hmm. I can afford nice-ish things occasionally. <laughs> but, like, me getting outpriced, it's like, oh, like, I, it doesn't bother me. Like, I'm, but, like, when you, the high, it feels like the, high, the more money you get. Mm-hmm the more offensive it is to you to, like, be told, nah, you don't have enough. <laughs> As they say, uh, but, more money, more problems. Yeah, it is. It's just like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Just like, why doesn't, like, uh, Bezos or somebody, like, own a team? And it's, I actually think that the other owners would, like, never allow that to happen because they'd be like, welcome to the National Football League presented by Amazon, and this is the Amazon um, boxes team based in, uh, Seattle, and they also own and play in the NFC Amazon division. Like everything would just be Amazon, <laughs> because like th- that's how big Amazon is. And the other owners would be like, eh, no, like, yeah, and the Palo Alto Teslas against the uh, yeah. Amazon boxes, yeah. Like we're yeah, we're like don't... it's already big business, but that would be like a whole level of big business. Like we don't want to see sports get to. Yeah, and he, like Paul Allen would probably be the richest guy to ever own a sports team, and he was super hands off. And I'm sure that was the NFL being like, "Don't fuck around. Like we'll let you be in this group, but don't dick around with this." Because obviously, there's like a whole nother level of screw you, rich that some of these guys are. But come on, Joe Lacob, come save the day. A's fans need you. Uh, apparently, he's had a standing offer to buy the team for God knows how long, and just put that offer in, save the day. I know he'd be. Are you confident he would done. keep it in Oakland? I'm confident he'd keep it in the Bay Area. Like, oh, there's yeah. No, yeah. There's no way in hell he would take it out of a big media market. Because so. he's smart, and he's a smart businessman. <laughs> he's made billions of dollars. I used to be like, what, what if he buys it and moves it like he did the Warriors? Well, he ain't moving them to San Francisco. But if he moved them to San Jose, fine, whatever. It, I'll just take it, you know. And he's <laughs> a guy who gives a shit, and we haven't had that since the mid-1970s, so. Uh, Tough spot for the A's, but getting a little bit better. We'll see how it goes. Um, We'll be back next week for more actual football talk. Uh, We'll go over 
the Super Wild Card Weekend results and look forward to the Niners matchup in the divisional round. We'll see if they get the early Saturday game or maybe a late Sunday game, uh, depending on how things break out this weekend. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back for three more pods uh, before the end of the season. It's been fun to cover the 2023 football season with you. Um, we'll see you again next week, and thanks for listening, subscribing, and liking. <laughs>